Do you eat too much? Do you drink too much? Do you work around the clock? Can't satisfy that itch, just one more bump and then I'll stop. You can get help for your addiction, it's an affliction for sure. Bringing awareness, it's Derek the Recovering CEO. Hello and welcome to the Recovering CEO podcast. Uh, my name is Derek, the Recovering CEO. Here with a special guest today, a friend of mine. Uh, he's he's sober. He's he's an entrepreneur. He's he's a man about town. His name is Jermaine Atkins. And Jermaine, how are you today? Hey, everything is going fine. I will call it a good day. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, and you know we're, we're in Michigan, so we finally got some sunshine and some sixty degree weather. So it's a good day to be alive. Um, but Jermaine, you know, so welcome to the Recovering CEO podcast. You know, as you know, uh, we are here to help others who are dealing with addiction, um, drug, alcohol addiction, any type of addiction. And really, we want to share experience, strength, and hope. You know, how have, uh, how have you as, as somebody in recovery kind of overcome? And I guess to start, you know, can you tell us what, what kind of brought you into recovery? And, you know, tell us a little bit about your story, if you don't mind. Well, uh, first, I guess I'd like to start by saying just thank you for having me on the show today. I think that it was um, that you reaching out to me is just an honor because that's that's part of what brought me into the recovery process is that um, I had reached a point in my life where I felt like I really had nothing of value to contribute, you know? And I think that as a as a single man, like just when I say single, I don't mean like relationship status wise, but like as a standalone individual with no one else in their uh, circle or environment that's relying upon them. That's that's not the worst case scenario. Right. However, that wasn't my situation. I was um, a son, you know, uh, a father of three. Um, uh, brother, sister, I'm not sister, but I was a brother to my brothers and sisters. Um, I was a person who had a lot of responsibilities. And just being that guy who had nothing to contribute was, it was something that was weighing on me for quite some time. And I would say through the grace of God, I was able to just come out of it one day. And did I do it alone? No, but um, that was definitely a driving force was just to be that person who was fulfilling his potential because as long as I had drugs and or alcohol in my life, I knew that wouldn't be a possibility. So. All right, Jermaine, that's, that's a beautiful story. And I, I can relate, <clears throat> I can relate, you know, and I think that's one of the things that does bring some people in, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, the feeling that I'm not living up to uh, the potential I have, or I'm not truly fulfilling my purpose on this earth. You know, like I am here to make make an impact, to help my family, to be a positive person. And when I was using drugs and alcohol, I was just not really doing that, right? You can kind of feel it right in yeah. your chest. It doesn't feel well. Um, definitely, definitely. And, you know, for, for me, Derek, um, I think that... Um, the the fear or the realization of not reaching my potential that that was scarier for me than any failure 
that, that I could have had. And, I, and I, I'll tell you just a really quick short story of something that was like during my last uh, few months of uh, being out in like addiction, like what happened to me. So I, so I was um, I was dating a I was dating a young lady and we were both like in the madness, right? Except for it didn't look like what you would imagine um, addiction looking like from what you see on TV or movies or and it wasn't even as bad as it had been for me during some of my worst times, right? Um, like we had a place to stay, you know, we had we had a two bedroom place and it was just two of us, right? So we had more room than we needed. Um, we, we had a vehicle, we had uh, money coming in on a regular basis. I had, I had my pension set up. We had more food than we were obviously eating, you know, but uh, it was there and everything that we kind of needed, we had, right? And one day she, she looks at me and she says, you know, Jermaine, as far as bottoms go, this isn't that bad because like we can do this forever. You know, we have everything we need and, and we, we get an opportunity to get, get high and drunk as we want to, like to a, to a reasonable degree. Right. And I thought about what she said and I said, you know, you're right. This this is not that bad, right? As far as bottoms go. And I sat there for a minute and I contemplated that. But then I started thinking and this thought crossed my mind, it really scared me. And that was, what if this is the ceiling though? And just thinking about the fact that this could be the best it ever gets was terrifying. I have been through so many bottoms and the truth of the matter is we as human beings, like we can become accustomed to anything. We, we adjust to our environment. That's the, that's the beauty of being human, right? So if, if I'm sleeping in my car, you know, which I've done before, I create a system so that I can remain warm. If uh, I'm out of food, I create a process so that I can achieve food, right? Um, but just that idea of what if this is the best that it ever gets was terrifying because I knew I was made for more. And I kind of knew at that moment that this wouldn't last forever. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. Uh, there's a movie with Jack Nicholson where he says, what if this is as good as it gets? And uh, that's exactly what I felt. Yeah, yeah. And my guess is uh, it, it got better. It got better. So what did you do? Kind of how did you make that transition from living in that madness to coming out of it? Well, luckily, um, as most people do, um, I had a little experience prior to um, the recovery process truly taking of trying it before and failing at it. So I knew what I needed to do. It was just, um, there was just a gap between that knowledge and desire and being able to take that action, right? So I really attribute the the the, the kickoff point as a to us to God and a spiritual experience because I was sitting up and I was I was doing what we do as as addicts and alcoholics was which is putting everything into like getting as frazzled as I could, you know? And there there's this um there's this thing that my ex used to say to me, you know, Jermaine, I always know when when you're using because like you spend all of the money. 
Like even the change in the car is gone, right? And this time I I had $600 in my pocket, but I had been up for like two days, right? And there was the, there was the, a moment of clarity where I thought to myself that this isn't getting any better. I am not getting any higher. I am wasting my time. I think I am done. And I called my ex at the time and, um, and I said, hey, you know, I'm over here messing up, you know, and uh, I would like you to come pick this money up so that I can, you know, get my life back on track. And she picked up the money and in my heart, I knew I would never see that money again, you know, but to me, it was just time to stop. And I, I've never done that in my life because I was that guy who would spend it all, right? And this time, I stopped with $600. And that's how I know that that was an intervention from God in that moment. And I kind of took advantage of that opportunity. I, I kind of sat back for a day just to get myself together, you know, physically, because you know, being on a run, it can it can really damage you. You need some sleep, some food, some water. So I got that going, and I made a decision to uh, go to a meeting. And when I went to that meeting, I I met this guy, and his name is Oscar. And Oscar really changed my life. And the way he did that was he gave me a ride home from the meeting. And when he dropped me off, he said, "Hey, Jermaine, wanna maybe we should go to another meeting sometime." And I'm thinking to myself, same day next week, you know, and I, so I said, sure. And he said, well, okay, I'll see you tomorrow. And I'm like, oh God, tomorrow. I, was, I wasn't thinking that quickly, you know, but he came and got me the next day. And he did that every single day, sometimes twice a day. And we would pick other people up. And um, he really inspired me to to work a program of recovery. And I, and I was at the point where I was willing to do whatever it took. So I just just implemented his system and it kind of worked for me. Mm, yeah, that's great. That's that's truly God working through other people. Uh, and I love Oscar too. He, he's he's a wonderful person. Is he doing Definitely. okay these days? I haven't, I haven't seen him lately. Well, Oscar, like, like we don't really speak as much as we used to, you know, things that like our lives change and COVID. he goes one direction, I go another direction. But yeah. if I know Oscar, he's definitely still doing the same thing he's always done, which is being active in the, in the recovery community, active in his family's life. So yeah. I, I would bet that things are great. Yeah, baby. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think he commented on a Facebook post recently. So yeah. I know he's doing okay, I guess. But, uh, okay, that's a wonderful story, Jermaine. That's wonderful. So you, you kept coming. And how long have you been sober now? Well, in, in December, it was um, it was six years in December of just of just last year. So I guess I'm coming up on close to six and a half years now, awesome. which is a miracle by, by my standard for sure. No, that's great, man. And, you know, I know in meetings, a lot of people, you know a lot of people. I think you help a lot of people, you know, people look to you, um, you know, it's so you play an important role. And I think part of it is showing up, right? Part of it is showing up and being there and being that strong, sober presence. Um, so tell me, I mean, how, how have you kind of changed or grown up in these last six years? You know, what's it been like being sober for that long? And what, how's your journey been going? Ah, uh, man, I, I would definitely tell you that it is there. There's there have been very few moments of boredom and I'm really grateful for that. And I think that's one of the things that I was able to change was uh, my perspective 
on um, on on life events, right? Um, I've I've kind of grown to a point where I'm grateful for the good things and for the bad things because um, it's life and like so so my my journey in recovery so far has um, been a lot of um, joy. It's been a lot of accomplishment, but at the same time, it's been a lot of um, heartache. It's been a lot of perseverance. It's been a lot of pushing through, doing things that I do not want to do, simply because um, I had to take on the attitude that um, God has a plan for my life, and God has a has a has an ideal of the type of person I am supposed to be, you know, like kind, loving, you know, of service to others. And that's not natural to me. So I persevere through those moments and it's it's not always easy, but what I have learned is that as long as I continue to do these things, that I eventually get to the next place that God has for me to be. And it's the saying in the recovery community is, that um, I often hear, which is, if I had settled for the goals I set for myself when I first got sober, I would have been selling myself short, right? And I found that to be true. So it's been it's been a real roller coaster ride. I'll say that, and I like roller coasters, and so I, I, it's been wonderful, man. It's been really wonderful. Yeah, no, that's great to hear. You know, and I think it's the key is it's not boring. You know, I mean. Uh, who wants to live a boring life, right? Who wants to just sit around and do nothing, you know? So I think you were an entrepreneur, you know, and, I, and I've seen you building things and doing things. So tell us a little bit about some of your kind of a business journey and, and what you've been doing in business since all this happened. Well, um, like, I, like I was saying just a few moments ago, I, I my, the steps that I take are, I believe, are kind of like pre-ordered, right? And all I have to do is get on the pathway and take the next right step, and eventually I get to where I'm supposed to be. And that that's sort of been how my um, business ventures have gone also. Um, I currently am the owner of a sober living company, a transitional housing company for men called Any Length Sober Living here in Ann Arbor, Michigan and Ypsilanti, Michigan. And it, it was it was never really a plan of mine to go into that industry. It kind of just happened naturally. And the way that happened was me being of service to other people, me doing the things that I felt like God had in place for me to do. And what does that look like when it comes to sober living, right? Well, when I first when I first became drug and alcohol free, you know, there's a, there's a detox center here run through run by Dawn Farm where where they allow you to do visit some of the clients there. So I actually spent a lot of time visiting the clients, and what I found was is that there was a gap in services for a lot of people where they would get out of detox or get out of treatment, and they would have to wait before they can get into transitional housing. So they will be encouraged to, to reach out to the community and ask people if they can stay with them and so they can get into transitional housing. Now, these are relative strangers asking other strangers if they can stay at their house, right? And 
this is one of those moments where I didn't want to do it, right? But there, but there was also an idea that I had that I kind of clung on to, which was if 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 I were allowed to experience all the things that I deserve based on my behavior, I would not have a place to live. So being that I was blessed with a place to live, a place with the extra bedroom that I wasn't using, my thought was is that this was a gift given to me by God, and it wasn't given to me simply for me to hoard and keep for myself. It was it was I was blessed with it to share with those who who needed help, right? So when I, I started letting people stay at my home when they were in this gap in services. Now there were there were a lot of good experiences and there were some very awkward experiences as you can imagine, letting strangers stay in your home. And there was there there was a experience which I kind of felt like wasn't the wisest move for me to make. It turned out to not be the wisest move. But instead of stopping and saying, you know, this isn't for me, what I decided was it kind of just happened. It was like, well, perhaps if I opened up a house for people who were in that um, service gap, I can provide a longer term solution for them. And it kind of just happened naturally. And the, um, the crazy thing about it is that I had already been doing these things. I had already been doing support visits. I had already, you know, just volunteering, giving a lot of time, being of service to the clients of uh, different treatment centers locally. So when the when the um, idea of opening up a, a sober living company came up and these case managers or gatekeepers, I like to call them, when they heard about my idea, they already knew me. They already trusted me with their clients. And it, can, it was just second, it was, it was just a really natural fit. And any like sober living was boring. So it's kind of how that happened. Man. Oh, yeah. So they were able to clients over to you. Uh, Directly. Because they are. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's nice. That's nice. And is, is there, do your houses have like a house manager? Is there a person that kind of helps facilitate the house? Well, when we first started, we we um, we grew really quickly. Put it like we grew much faster than we expected to. And once again, I always go back to like God's plan, right? Um, our goal was to was to open two houses within the first two years. And a month before we opened. The third largest men's transitional housing company in Washtenaw County announced that they were closing their doors the day before we actually were to open. So, so I mean, you couldn't plan it any better than that, right? So we were actually full before we even started. And we ended up with five properties within the first three months. And so we wanted two within two years. We ended up with five within two months, right? And um, so with that kind of growth, we weren't able to keep up with like the management um, needs, I would say. I didn't know they were needs at that point in time, but turns out you, you need to have an appropriate number of clients per manager, right? <laughs> and I didn't know what that number was. So over time, we've um, adjusted to have a, a manager for every property. And right now we have... Um, we have a, we actually have in-house house management 
for two thirds of our properties. So things are things are really moving along fast in that in that area. That's amazing. Um, based on what you just said, I mean, what do you think about that that saying that God never gives us more than we can handle? Like, how did you manage oh. going to five houses? That's that's huge. Oh man, it was um, it was a very intensive, um, very intensive situation. Intense situation because um, not only did you not only do you have the people to deal with, like we had the finance to deal with. We were running into problems with the communities that we were that we were housed in. Um, as far as like, I mean, you name it, we faced it right, and it was I was really putting in a solid what, 50 to 60 hours per week for the first couple of years, personally, not to mention what the house management team was putting in. So it, it was really difficult, but it was not more than I could handle. I learned that just simply by doing it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so if I wanted to live in one of your houses, like what types of rules would I have to follow? Well, that, 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 that's, um, that is, um, it's a really good question. And it is something that I did not have to come up with on my own, right? So I'm a really big believer in not reinventing the wheel. And so, so I looked at some of the other companies that I saw that were really successful in what they do. And I kind of just implemented their their policies with small variations um, to, you know, just to, to uh, for, you know, for our, for our population that we were working with. And, um, you know, just every day you have to go to a meeting, you have to have a minimum of two service commitments. Um, you have to have a sponsor and be in communication with them. You have to meet new people in recovery well, people that are new to you in recovery on a consistent basis and document them at the weekly house meetings. Um, we, we have a curfew, of course. Um, we have, we have a, a minimum of weekly drug testing. Um, not only do we do we test for just like the standard 13 panel, but then we also began to test for Kratom testing. We do ETG testing. Um, I think that we have a pretty solid requirements list, but more importantly than like what's required of a person, we, we kind of look for what is a person willing to do beyond those requirements. So we we have a really good house management team that looks into that and builds those relationships and so far we've been getting some pretty good results that's great so i'm guessing over the years now you've seen some people kind of change their life um hmm. move through your system and even move on oh yeah i mean th th those are the good stories right those are the ones that we really that we really use to like keep moving and know that what we're doing is is the right thing for us to do. Like we, we've had guys, like now we've been in existence, you know, we're, we'll be coming up on four years of being open. And we have some guys that have been, that have been sober and drug free ever since August of 2018 when we first started. And I think that's a miracle. I think that is a true miracle. So um, yeah, man, we, I got some guys who, who used to be clients that I would like to put on my staff now. And I just think it's an amazing thing. I was sitting in the meeting just yesterday looking around the room at some of the guys that used to live in some of our units. And 
they're saying like, yeah, I got three years sober now and or I just bought a house and I'm just sitting there in amazement. Just like I am so grateful to just be able to witness these miracles. Right. But then at the same time, I also got to also had a moment where I can reflect on all the people who got to witness me go through that process and just like it's just feel some gratitude that the guys who have been around longer than me never gave up on me or, you know, or, or they still support me in the things that I do now. So it's just a wonderful thing to see people come around full circle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's one thing I really like because I mean, there, there are some deficiencies, you know, like, like uh, they, they ask the question, why is there only 28 days of therapy or 28 days of uh, uh, inpatient treatment? Cause that's all insurance company would pay for. It's not like you can get cured in 28 days. <laughs> You know, right. you need that long term, right? So Dawn Farm has long term options, but the people that are willing to commit to go live in a sober housing like what you're offering, that's a commitment, right? Because they could go yeah. home, they could go back to their old situation. And the fact is, if you stay in a, a safer situation with other sober people, you have much probably better chance of success than if you go back to the old addictive environment, you know, your old place. Well, I mean, you know, like like the same saying, like is is uh, true for this situation is, and that saying is like, birds of a feather, they flock together, right? Or if you wanna be successful at something, surround yourself with people that have similar goals. Like it simply just increases your chances of success, which is why um, uh, like going to sober living after treatment is a great idea, which is why daily meeting attendance is a great idea, which is why having a sponsor is a great idea, is because the more people you surround yourself with that are attempting to achieve the same goals, the more likely you are to achieve those goals. So that applies to every area of life, not just recovery, but it also re applies to recovery as well. Mm -hmm. All right, that sounds good, Jermaine. I, I like your business philosophy. I like your life philosophy. Um, so tell me a little bit more about you. I, I know you, you're not just doing the sober housing. Are you branched into some other areas as well? Well, you know, um, I, I definitely have branched off into a few different areas since getting into the recovery process. And I didn't really plan any of those things, but they, they kind of just are birthed. They're, they're birthed out of the idea of, of being of service, right? For example, um, after opening up the transitional housing company, I, I started working at a treatment center, which I thought was a really good experience. It gave me an opportunity to, to continue to meet people that were new to the recovery community, even though I was like getting busier with life, right? And from there, what I did was um, I, I began peer coaching through another organization and, and Wayne County, which is something I still do to this day, which I think is um, is is one of it was it was really life changing as far as like improving my perspective about the idea of recovery. You know, for example, just just growing up in AA or NA, you know, the the goal is to be one hundred percent abstinent, right and what I've learned through peer coaching is that 
people have different goals for themselves. <laughs> you know, some some people don't want to be 100% abstinent. Some people aren't ready to, even if they wanted to. And we have to learn how to walk through their journey with them and support them until they get to the place that they need to be, right? So that's something that peer coaching has taught me. And then, then you know, I was at a, at a, at a family meeting called, for an organization called Families Against Narcotics. And I started passing out the microphone for at the, at the in-person meetings. And I got to tell my story and meet, meet a lot of people. And a year later, I was on the board of directors for that. And um, that, that, that was a really good opportunity, which is something I still do to this day, to just help educate the community um, as far as like what addiction is, what recovery is, and help remove some of the barriers, such as the stigma, of, you know, towards people and, and still inactive addiction, so that people have a better have a better chance of recovery. Um, through through my work with Any Lane Sober Living, I got into the real estate business, so now, now I'm a realtor as well, and I think that was it was sort of a natural flow to from transitional housing which is pretty much property management to a certain degree to to real estate so that's something that i've really been working on for the last year and um through my peer coaching work i've started working in 23rd district court which is down in, in taylor michigan and that opportunity coupled with the families against narcotics opportunity you know put me in a situation where I recently be, got appointed to the Michigan Association of Treatment Court Professionals Board of Directors as well. So I, I, I'm involved in quite a few things, like, but none of these things happened because I sat back and said, you know, my goal is to be on the board of directors for Families Against Narcotics. What, the way that all of these things kind of transpired was, you know, I, I showed up, I found a way to be of service to others, and I said yes when when I was asked to like do something that can be of more use to other people. And those opportunities kind of created themselves. Just like I was saying about the, um, the term or the same birds of a feather flock together, how that applies to so many different scenarios in life. I believe that the process of recovery, it, it applies to every area in life too, if you want to be successful. And that's kind of what I did. I implemented that that process in, area, in other areas of my life. Um, for example, I, I show up, I be of service, I find someone who's successful at what it is that I would like to accomplish. I ask them how they did it and I do what they do. And I've applied that to school and I graduated. I apply it to business. Business is becoming more successful. I apply it to um, my to raising my children. My 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 son graduated valedictorian. Valedictorian, you know, like these are all things that I just followed a simple process, and the results come. So that that that's, that's sort of like what's been going on, man. Jeez, what a great story. Um, no, it's so nice to hear all that. And I think it's important for our listeners to hear that, you know, to, to show. I mean, obviously, you have, well, you're obviously talented, but there's a lot of hard work I'm hearing. Like, this does not happen without hard work, right? So, but I love the idea of following principles, taking direction, learning from others, you know, and it's like we can't quite see what's ahead of us, except we know that others have gone this way before. 
so we have faith in that process. Um, you talk a lot about God's plan, and it seems like you've kind of been, once you got sober, you kind of caught the wave of here's all the ways that Jermaine can help build build his life, and then by, as, as a result of that, positively impact the other people. I mean, you're basically riding a wave of good things. Well, you know, I, I think it's sort of um, like the opposite of the way you just presented that idea. It's, it's more like if we learn to be an impact for others, our life naturally gets built as a, as a result of that. You know, like one of the one of the weirdest things that I heard back in maybe 2009, I was watching the TV, I think it was the news, and this was back during the really big recession we had, right? And they said, if someone is looking, someone is in need of employment, you know, it is more effective to go do some volunteer work versus putting in applications. And when I heard that, I said, you know, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Like, how do you get a job? If you're, you're spending time volunteering when the, the need is for me to get money, not give my time away for free. And it wasn't until I got into the recovery process that I learned that the more you give to others, the like just naturally your life will begin to grow too. My mentor, his name is Dr. Eric Fretz. He, um, he kind of told me, back in maybe 2016, he said, Jermaine, do what you are passionate about and do it well. And eventually they'll pay you for it. So don't worry about the money. That that will always come, but do what you are passionate and do it well. And eventually they will pay you for it. And, th and then this is the kicker is that we don't, necessarily get paid so that for you know for our talents so that we can you know hoard the money you know even though you know nice things are are okay i'm not saying that that's that's not okay but i believe that the reason why we eventually get paid for pursuing our passions is so that we can be free emotionally and mentally so that we can pursue those passions further without having to worry about how we're going to eat you know it's it's, it's, it's such a different way of thinking that I had to adopt in order for me to um, achieve some of the successes that I've had to this day. And, you know, so when you, when you said that, you know, like we like I pursue my life and as an offshoot, other people are benefited. It's just the opposite. Gotcha. Gotcha. So tell me about um, some of the relationships. I know you talked about how you were a son and a, you know, obviously a father and a brother. Um, how ha has, has your family relationship evolved since when this, since you've been sober, basically, how's that impacted it? Well, I, I, I think that the most beneficial, the most beneficial relationship or set of relationships that have um, benefited from, from my time being drug and alcohol free has been that of but has been that with my children, right? Um, I always had the desire to be a good father, right? Um, I even had an idea of what a good father is, but I didn't know how to be a good father. So once I got into this recovery process, I kind of um, reached out to other people that were fathers 
I spent a lot of time in meetings listening to guys who were, you know, more successful as fathers than I was and listening to the things that they experienced, you know, and I kind of just applied those same things when it was my turn. I was blessed with the opportunity for my oldest son to to move in with me when I had about a year, maybe a little bit more than a year drug and alcohol free. He moved here from New York and I was in school, you know, at that time, I think I was at Eastern Michigan and um, he was in high school. And when he had when he moved here from New York, he had uh, I think he was getting around 3.2, 3.3 grade point averages and he had he had came home one day smelling like marijuana, right? Which is why he moved from New York. And um, <clears throat> when he moved into my home, I kind of laid out the rules like, hey, these are the things you cannot do. These are the things you must do. <clears throat> and anything in between, I don't care what you do, right? And I don't think it was my set of rules as much as it was my actions that I was taking that were effective and building our relationship. Um, he saw me studying, you know, four to five hours a day. He, he saw me engaging with my friends in a way that was promoting um, sobriety, that was promoting being more productive, that was promoting, you know, being the best version of yourself as possible. And in turn, he started to implement those same things into his life. And he went from a 3.3 student to a 4.5 student. Uh, one day I listened to him talk to his friend in, in his room about, about how silly it is to smoke marijuana. And I was just like, where is he getting this from? You know, like, but he, but he was, he was implementing me and my behavior. Um, <clears throat> I think previous to me becoming drug and alcohol free, he was beginning to implement that behavior. Hence the 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 grade point average that wasn't as high as he was capable of or him coming home smelling like marijuana, right? But when I began to do better things, he began to implement those things as well. And I think that's one of the greatest benefits of sobriety is that I get to be a, a role model for my children, not just a man who speaks words, but I get to be a man of action. And I think that that's... That just blows my mind every time I think about it, you know? Mm -hmm. It does. That's amazing, man. Congrats. Um, hopefully I get to meet your son one day. He sounds like a fine young, young man. Uh, but no, it's a great story, Jermaine. Great story. So any advice you want to give to our listeners who are maybe out there struggling, uh, debating if they need to quit drugs or alcohol or, you know? Well, I think that... Um... I think it says in one of our readings in, in the Alcoholics Anonymous world, you know, it says something along the lines of um, that those who, I'm paraphrasing, so I'm not a, I'm a big believer in saving my memory capacity for things that I cannot read again off paper, you know, so I'm paraphrasing this. It says something along the lines of uh, those who are not, not able to remain drug and alcohol free are that way because of their inability to be honest with themselves. Now, I so I would say that the best advice I can give to anyone who's considering changing their lifestyle to that one of, of, of recovery uh, and maybe struggling with that is to 
give yourself an honest appraisal and just assess if it is a problem. Is it preventing you from reaching your ceiling, right? And if that question is yes, then there are more steps that need to be taken. And one of the steps that I took was eventually getting to a point where I had to understand that if I put drugs or alcohol into my body, everything else will be cut short. There is no way around it for me personally. So I think that if like if anyone can get to that point where it's like, okay, if I put drugs and alcohol into my body, I'll never be as successful as I need to be, then you're ready for a start in a recovery journey, you know? And and for me, that start after that moment was just um, understanding that I didn't know how to work a program of recovery and I needed to find people who knew how to work a program of recovery, ask them what they do and simply do what they did. Like I, I will repeat that information over and over and over because it works in every area of life. If you want to be successful at something, find someone who is successful at it, ask them how they became successful, and then simply do what they did. It works every time. At least it has mm -hmm. for me so far, you know? Yeah, that's great, Jermaine. That's great. Um, I think you should also go on the speaking circuit. You need to add that to your repertoire as uh, speaking at events. You're a really good speaker. So I've enjoyed, <laughs> enjoyed talking to you here. But... Uh, Cool, man. Well, hey, I, I really, really appreciate you. I, uh, I look forward to seeing you in meetings. It's always a joy to get to see you, you know, and especially coming out of COVID now, getting back to meetings in person and whatnot, uh, coming off the Zoom. But uh, Jermaine Atkins, folks, uh, we will have a link to where you can find his sober living community uh, in the show notes. And I really appreciate your time today, Jermaine. Hey, thank you for having me, Derek. And hopefully we'll get to spend more time again in person. So I'll be seeing you soon. All right, man. Take care. And thanks for listening to The Recovering CEO. Everyone have a good day. Thanks. Peace. Do you eat too much? Do you drink too much? Do you work around the clock? Can't satisfy that it's just one more bump and then I'll stop. You can get help for your addiction. It's an affliction for sure. Bringing awareness. It's Derek, The Recovering CEO.